Attention Northwest Arkansas businesses and talent seekers. Introducing Onboard NWA.com, your hyperlocal job board crafted for our unique community. Struggling to find the perfect match for your job openings? Onboard NWA simplifies the hiring process, connecting you with the region's top talent through tailored talent matching solutions. Whether you're an employer seeking expertise or a professional looking for your next opportunity, Onboard NWA is here for you. Discover more at onboardnwa.com and let's build the future of Northwest Arkansas together. Northwest Arkansas, Randy here, bringing you a quick word from our sponsor, Signature Bank of Arkansas. Since 2005, Signature Bank has been all about empowering our community with local ownership and top-notch banking services. Signature Bank's roots run deep with assets over a billion dollars, and they're right here in your backyard with branches in Bentonville, Rogers, Springdale, Fayetteville, and now including Harrison and Jonesboro. With a growing family of more than 200 teammates, they're ready to serve you with the warmth only a true community bank can offer. And they've got Banco C, the first bilingual bank in Arkansas, to ensure that banking is for everyone. So give Signature Bank a call at 479-684-3700 or visit Signature.Bank online. Mention you heard about them on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast for that personal touch. Signature Bank of Arkansas. Big on assets, local at heart, and a proud member of the FDIC and an equal housing lender. It's time for another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas, the podcast covering the intersection of business, culture, entrepreneurship, and life in general here in the Ozarks. Whether you are considering a move to this area or trying to learn more about the place you call home, we've got something special for you. Here's our host, Randy Wilburn. Hey, folks, and welcome back to another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn. I'm excited to be with you today, both on podcast as well as on video. I'm sitting here with Mark Conine, and Mark is the president of the Arkansas Development Finance Authority, also known as ADFA. And so we're going to let Mark talk in one second. But Mark is someone that I met at the Future Is Now speaker series through the Northwest Arkansas Council, who is sponsoring this particular episode. The Future Is Now speaker series has brought in amazing individuals from around the country and some amazing individuals that are right in our own state to talk about ways that we should be thinking about Northwest Arkansas as we move forward, both from a a workforce diversity and workforce development perspective, as well as 
workforce affordability for housing. Housing affordability has become a big issue in all of Arkansas, but really in central Arkansas and the Little Rock area, and even more so, it has become a true issue or conversation topic here in Northwest Arkansas. And so we thought, who better to bring on the podcast than Mr. Conine and and learn a little bit more about some of the work that they're doing at ADFA to bridge that gap to make sure that we have more affordable housing units here in Northwest Arkansas. Because the bottom line is we really don't have enough and we need to with 36 new people a day moving to Northwest Arkansas. It's incumbent upon us as a community to step in and figure out ways we can bridge that gap. And the council is doing that. They're bringing in experts from all over the country, as I said before, as well as many local experts, including Mark Conine. And so I thought this would be a great conversation for us to have. So if you are a developer or, or uh, play one in real life, that this is, this is a great opportunity for you to, to hear what the state is doing or what they're trying to do in order to move this whole process along in terms of affordable housing development. If you just are looking for a place, an affordable place to live, you probably should listen to this episode as well. And so there's a lot of opportunity for us to all come together and try to figure this out. And so I think this episode is going to be an important one for some time to come as we continue to grow here in Northwest Arkansas. So Mark, that was a that was a mouthful, but I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. You were spot on with your comments that we're going to you know discuss here in this episode. And so um, that was a good lead in. Well, thank you very much. Well, listen, for the uninitiated, I would love for you just to give your quick superhero origin story. Who is Mark Conine? And then you can get right into ADFA and let's start talking about what you guys are doing right here in the state of Arkansas. Yeah. You know, I'm a lifelong Arkansan. Uh, I'm a, I went to school here, um, high school here in Arkansas and also attended college here. And um, I'm a CPA by trade. I, I was in public practice for a while with uh, some of the large international firms and um, practicing public accounting. And then um, I started working for the uh, state of Arkansas about 17 years ago. And I was a CFO of a, a student loan lending agency. And we later merged that, uh, the Arkansas Student Loan Authority, into ADVA as part of the transformation uh, process. And so I have, in my role here at ADVA, I was previously the chief financial officer and then later appointed to the president. Okay. And so just so everybody has a complete understanding of the Arkansas Development Finance Authority, give us, if you think of it as an umbrella, what is the umbrella that ADFA covers? If you look at it, it's it's almost like a financing institution, if you will, even though we are, we are a division, we were former a state agency, and then as part of the transformation process under former Governor um, Hutchison, when they transferred government, they restructured a little bit like the federal government. So they put in silos and now we're a division of the Department of Commerce. But it's like a financing agency, if you will, or a finance company. And one of the things that we do is housing. And we are the state designated, they call us an HFA, so Housing Finance Agency. Most states just have one. You may have several in a state like, say, Texas or California. Yeah, yeah. And I have some familiar familiarity with this because I, I used to actually sell real estate in Massachusetts and Massachusetts had a, a housing finance agency called Mass Housing. And That's right. 
they did a lot of programs. And one of the things that I said to somebody when I first moved here, I was like, man, they need to have. And again, I I was ignorant because I didn't know about ADFA, but I wasn't aware of what you got. I just assumed I said, well, I'm sure every state agency has one. But mass housing was so prolific in the state of Massachusetts because of the affordable housing issue and because they played such a major role with that programs and with soft second programs to help uh, spur on home ownership. You know, when I moved here in 2014, I never thought that it would become a problem here. And it really has become a problem in terms of home ownership. Things that, you know, my wife and I were looking at a house that we looked at in 2015 because, because when we first moved here, we basically said we were going to take a year to learn the lay of the land before we bought. And we had that luxury to do that. Nowadays, you don't have that luxury, but we looked at a bunch of properties and I, I, I forget what our budget was. Maybe it was $300,000. Long story short, we actually got a message from Zoom the other day for one of those houses that we looked at back in 2015. That house is double what it was then. It, nothing's changed. It's the same house. It's a 3,000 square foot home with, I think, maybe four bedrooms, three baths. I mean, it's a decent sized house, but it's double the money. And that makes a huge difference for somebody that's relocating to this area when it comes to affordability. That's exactly right. It's, you know, we're seeing it all over the state, specifically probably more in central Arkansas and, and Northwest would definitely be the lead, but it's also going on in Northeast Arkansas, you know, yeah. in the Jonesboro area mm-hmm. and it's going on in the Texarkana area. It's, it's really going on, on everywhere. And if you look at it using the example that you did, the affordability of a, say, a $300,000 house versus a $600,000 house, <laughs> especially with the rise in interest rates, yeah. right? Yeah. You just, it, the numbers don't work, you know? Yeah. And so when we look across the state, we are bringing in good jobs. It's a great time to do business in Arkansas with the policy changes that we've made. But again, affordability is the problem. And so the construction costs are what they are, right? The yeah. land costs are what they are. And so you have all these, what I call, like to call them, they're, they're kind of fixed issues, right? Uh, Lumber is going to cost what it's going to cost. Sheetrock is going to cost what it's going to cost. All these things are, you know, I, they do ebb and flow a little bit, but essentially at a certain point in time, when somebody's looking for a home, they're fixed, right? Yeah. And so all these, so are, have incomes kept up with that? Well, no, they haven't gone up. a hundred Incomes haven't gone up 100% since you moved to Northwest Arkansas. And so here we are. And that's why you and I are talking today. It's just the incomes haven't kept up with the rising costs or rents, not only home ownership, but also on the rental side. Yeah. No, I, I agree 100%. I think I've said before on this podcast, I actually own a rental property and the rent that I was getting when I first purchased it in 2015 is almost half of what I'm now getting just because the market will bear it. And I'm not even asking for the full amount that I could get, you know, because I just, I've always been a big fan of creating opportunities for people to kind of get their legs about them. But, you know, when you think about it, right, I mean, the, the, the long and short of it, probably your parents, maybe my parents, I remember my mom saving to buy a house, right? And it wasn't so far out of reach that she couldn't, you know, put the time and effort and put some money away. And, and, and my mom specifically lived with my grandparents for a season while she saved. And then she finally bought a house and it was just these things. And so now, Whereas before it was fairly easy to enter into the housing market as an owner, it has become much more cumbersome to navigate the waters of home ownership. And it just feels like after I heard you speak at the Future Is Now event, I was like, wow, okay, Arkansas really has to kind of step back and figure out 
how do we meet the needs of each and every individual, both at the local level? Those are people that want to buy a home. How do we meet the needs of those that want to develop housing for people that want to buy? I mean, there's just so many different moving parts in this. How do you keep track of it all? Yeah, there is a lot of moving parts. You know, if you really look at this, it, it a lot of it is attention based, meaning there's an attention to it now. And not only on the affordable side, but on the workforce side, you're starting to see the word work, workforce housing take the place of affordable housing and, and vice versa. And the reason for that is as companies, as we go out and recruit, Arkansas Economic Development Commission goes out and recruits along with the you know governor's office working together to put incentive package system together. We recruit companies. They want to come here. Companies want to come here. And when they do, then they get here and they say, hey, where are people going to live? Right. right. You know, we can't pay everybody in our in our factory or in our office, whatever, $100,000 or $80,000. And, you know, where are they going to live? And so you've kind of got the public policy part and then you've got the developers and the general contractors. And then you've got the cities and you've got their policies. And one of the things that, you know, we keep talking about to people is it's going to really take a public private partnership. It's going to take the public side, it's going to take the private side to kind of come together and meet in the middle. And as you know, the number one thing, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, is funding, right, is the funding for it. And specifically, what are the incentives going to be for people to build affordable housing and maybe turn their focus to that over market rate housing? And maybe I'll make additional comment here and you say, well, you know, if they're going to build this housing, what? why do they need additional incentives? Well, a lot of times when you build affordable housing, there's some stipulations that go with that from the federal government. And it is ownership. How long do you have to own it? Right. And so a lot of developers come in and they say, well, we want to build it, but we're not we don't necessarily want to own it for 15, 20, 30 years. Why is that? Well, the cash flows aren't quite as good as market rate property. Right. A lot of times the upside on the end, the valuation is not as good as a market rate property. You know, so you have to provide some type of incentive up front to get that developer interested in building that affordable housing. Yeah. Is there a huge gap in what they could expect to make? I mean, I'm thinking if a if a developer is very efficient in their process and they have their system down pat, can they actually is it still profitable to do an affordable housing project versus a market rate project? It is on the front end. It's probably about the same, maybe a little less, but, you know, it's still, you know, it's still worth their time. They're still going to make a good profit. The difference happens over time. It's I think about the, uh, you know, an alligator's mouth, you know, or the Florida Gator fans, you know, they do this, you know. <laughs> it widens as you go out. Right. Yeah. And so and I'll tell you what it is on a market rate property. The rents can rise as you were talking about your rental property. They can rise with the market. But on affordable property, they're restricted. And so HUD comes in and says, you, you can only raise them by a certain amount and they can't go over this level. And so do they increase? Yes. But a lot of times they don't increase at, you know, say a market rate. Yeah. And that is obviously something to consider. You know, and it's funny because as I've thought about this and I had already always remarked when I moved here, I was like, wow, you know, I never see any first time homebuyer classes. I never see anything like that here in North, like coming from Boston, like everywhere you go, you see signs for want to own a home, first time homebuyer classes, get in, understand the whole process. Right. And I actually used to teach some of those. And 
I've always saw value in, in education piece of it because I think homeownership, while you know, it is, I don't know that it's a right. I think we all have a right to have a roof over our heads. Maybe not everybody's meant to be a homeowner. And a lot of people have kind of self-selected out of that process because I've talked to people that have said, I only want to rent. I don't want to you know, manage a house as from that perspective. And so I think you have to understand where your strength lies as far as that's concerned. But the challenge that I see here, specifically in the heartland, specifically here in Arkansas, is that we have a lot of land and it's hard. Like in New England, you can buy a piece of property that's subsidized, if you will, through a state housing finance agency, and there may be a deed restriction to it, or some of those things seem somewhat foreign. When you talk about the land that we have available to us here in Arkansas, how do we overcome that issue, right? Because a lot of people are used to maybe, maybe they grew up on a farm that their parents owned or their grandparents owned or that were passed down to them from generation to generation. So you have a different understanding of what land means. And when you're told, oh, well, yeah, you can live in this house, but the deed, it's restricted. There's only but so much you can do with it. How do we kind of overcome some of those aspects of what it's going to take to develop true affordable housing here in Northwest Arkansas and educate the local consumer? Yeah, no, that's, you know, that's a great question. That's, um, you may have stole my notes here. You, uh, <laughs> you know, so on, you know, no, so on a zone, no, I'm glad you brought it up. It's a good so on a zoning side, you know, one of the things that is being discussed, but it's in the infant stages is revising some of the zoning regulations to promote like mixed use, higher density in the urban areas. And some people will call it inclusionary zoning. And it's probably a word that's a little bit misinterpreted. And what that means is to require a percentage of the new developments to include affordable housing needs. And so you say, you come in and you say, hey, we're going to build a, an apartment complex, you know, over here on Fayetteville Street, right? Right. Well, a portion of those have to have affordable units in them, right? Yeah. Or you might have certain areas of town, right, that have a, a particular property and it can be zoned for affordable housing. So essentially, it is changing some of your zoning laws to make sure that there are some affordable units in those. And I'll give you an example. It's not much different than, say, here in Little Rock, where there's some zoning ordinances that say, for every, you know, so many new homes, single family homes that you build in a certain area, mm-hmm. there have to be some multifamily units. Okay. And so really it's no different than that, right? It's just a kind of a specialty, but it's really no different than that. It's saying you're, you're not, there's nothing burdensome about that. It's just saying, Hey, inside of our zoning ordinances, we're going to say that the affordable housing units are going to be a part of that, that they're going to be important to us because a lot of affordable properties, you might be dealing with things like, you know, access to grocery stores, access to healthcare, access to city parks and libraries, all the things that we love as residents of our communities. A lot of times they have to push those out a little bit, right? And get them because they can't get them zoned or there's, there's, there's different issues with city ordinances or whatever. And so if you bring some of that in, it helps the people that live in affordable housing units because they're not spending as much commuting to work and getting to the grocery store or, you know, those types of things. And you can get into all kinds of things of, of health and well-being and all those things that go along with that. So yeah. on the zoning side, I think it's just going to have to be an emphasis that 
to promote mixed use development and higher density in certain areas. Yeah. And, you know, and that brings up a good point, which I'm sure some people are listening to, because there's always going to be some segment of the population that are going to fall into a little bit of nimbyism, if you will, which is just stands for not in my backyard. Right. And I can yeah. see that kind of we we yeah. have where I live on the east side of Fayetteville, just north of kind of township, uh, but up by Gully Park. You know, there's always been talks of adding in some more higher density developments. And we actually have one right by Gully Park and it's called Gully Acres or something like that. And it's been a, quite a successful spot. It, it, it's just the places are just closer together. They've gotten actually quite expensive, but I want to say compared to what some of the other units are selling for in the area, they are somewhat affordable. But, you know, if you start having this conversation about affordable housing, you run into, you will run into people that just are not quite educated about what affordable housing really is and how it can really benefit the whole of the community. How are you guys working to overcome that aspect of it? Because that is, that in and of itself is a major issue, right? You've got the, at the city level, you run into some challenges, but then you also have at the neighborhood level where you have to kind of help people bridge that gap of understanding. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. We do deal with that a little bit. We don't get involved in it a lot, but occasionally it comes up, but the developers deal with it. You know, a lot of times there's a kind of a misunderstanding about what affordable housing is. So it's like you've got market rate, then you've got affordable housing, and then you've got what some would call public housing. Right. Affordable is kind of in the middle. And there are definitely neighborhoods and neighborhoods associations that, you know, they, they get concerned about when some of these, you know, are going in and, if you drive by an affordable housing place, it looks just like a market rate place. Yep. We have minimum design standards that developers have to follow. And in some cases, they're higher than on a market rate property, right? Yeah. And so a lot of people don't even know. And so what we've tried to, from a state perspective, what we try to continue to do is make sure that not just that we get housing units on the ground, but that we get, I, I just like to use the word nice, somewhere that anybody would want to raise their family they would want to have, you know, a holiday dinner at their home that they're proud of. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so we can get into the details, but just what they consider is a nice place to live. It's a safe place to live. It's good quality standard construction. And so I think if we make sure that's important, if that goes into someone's you know single family neighborhood, it looks nice. Right. It's got a nice gate around it. It's pleasing to the eye. You know, it's quality construction and then also promote, you know, safety and promote some of the things that go with those projects, which might be a clubhouse or a swimming pool or a playground, or there's a lot of talk now about putting medical clinics on some of the properties, right? Yeah, yeah, and so a that. neighborhood medical clinic, some of the things that are being talked about, they're being done, you know, in a couple of places, I think they will, you know, quote, fit into what you're saying into a traditional single family neighborhood. Yeah. And so I think that that, again, I think the only way this works is from a funding perspective and then from, say, a city or local perspective is people coming together and saying, hey, how do we make this work? We can't say we don't want that. And then we can't just drop them everywhere without talking to the homeowners and talking to the neighborhoods. Right. We want to be sensitive to that. But if there's a little bit of the meeting of the minds, it can come together. And a lot of times it's like, well, can you change the design you yeah. know, to the developer? And the developer's like, sure. That won't really cost a, a lot to change. Like, could you change the color? Yeah, we'd be happy to change. And a lot of times people 
they just don't reach out to the developers to have them in to talk to them. And I've actually been to some, I normally don't do this, but to and a couple of neighborhood associations with a developer, not because I'm promoting the developer, because I'm just trying to kind of be an intermediary and say, hey, if you guys will talk to the developer and the developer will talk to you guys, I'm sure you can come up with something that you will be proud of. And almost 10 out of 10 times, they do. Yeah. yeah. They come up with something. You know. Well, and it benefits everybody. And yeah. if, if nothing else, it further promotes that developer's ability to achieve a certain objective when it comes to, to housing development. So it does. Um, yeah, I think it's huge. And, and, you know, as I'm sitting here listening to you, I'm thinking that there is something to be said for potentially creating multi-generational housing for, you know, I know there are a couple of uh, properties in Bentonville that have markets at the bottom level of them. So if I need to grab something to eat, there's also a restaurant there. I'm thinking specifically of, and I don't know the name of the building, but it's, it's uh, my friend Matt Cooper has a restaurant called Conifer. Attached to Conifer is a kind of a marketplace grocery store. So in mm-hmm. case you've forgotten something, you need some fresh basil or something like that, that's there, right? And so, you know, I hope we're going to see more of that in the future where you see some of these mixed use developments where Maybe there there are a sprawl of condominiums or apartment buildings or multifamily residences that are really well appointed, but then also have some of those extras, those benefits where maybe you don't have to go out to go to the grocery store because there's a place right there where you live, where you mm-hmm. can pick it up. And I think that bodes well for us as we continue to grow as a community, specifically here in Northwest Arkansas, but certainly also in Central Arkansas and Northeast Arkansas, any, anywhere for that matter. So. That is, I mean, there are some huge opportunities to reinvent how we live, how we work, how we go back and forth to shop. I mean, a lot of that could fundamentally change for us in the next, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Oh, absolutely. I I think you're still going to have, when I call them projects, I'm talking about a cluster of, you know, multifamily (laughs) units or, or a single family neighborhood that's affordable. So when you're looking at that, I, I think the wave of the future, you're still going to have 80, 60 unit complex that's all affordable. You know, sure. you're still going to have a, a neighborhood that's an affordable single family neighborhood. But I think really where we're headed, if I had to guess, just what I, the trend I'm seeing across the country and that's starting in Arkansas is the mixed use, yeah. where it's a 80 unit apartment complex and 20 of them are affordable, right? Yeah. And then just every single project that it gets put down on the ground is like that. And it's just, they're just some affordable units and all of those. Things. Yeah. And I, I think that's where we're headed. You're still going to have the, what I call hundred percent affordable projects. You're still going to have those, but I think the mixed use is really where it's headed. It was just done. If you notice the big Emma project, did you see yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. huge. Yeah. Yeah. 30 units, right. That, yeah. That's a mixed use deal. And so I just think that's what you're going to see. I'm going forward now. The flip side is that I had somebody tell me this. They said, well, the 30 units really move the needle, right? We need 130, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so the flip side is, is that will a mixed use with a small percentage make a big enough impact? And, you know, I guess some people may disagree with this, but I think hitting singles, eventually you'll score runs. They're not home runs, right? but it, you know, you're still getting on base. You're still getting a hit. You just have to string more of them together. And then to hit a home run is drop a 80 unit or build a neighborhood. As we all know, you can't, you can't always hit a home run. So what I like to say is just keep moving that needle, keep getting those affordable units on the ground. And then eventually, right, it may take some time, but eventually you'll get to where you can, you're able to help 
that population that you're looking to. Let me throw in, too, that when we're talking about funding for this, not only do you have to make it a priority at the state level, it's Arkansas or any other state, but there's efforts going on in Washington to increase federal funding for it and to increase the area median income level. Because what's happening is there's this huge gap between where our funds stop for a certain people, right? For a certain income level, our funds that we have, they stop and we can't go higher than that. And then you've got market rate, right? Well, what's happened over the years is the market rate, I mean, they've taken off. They're like Carl Lewis running against me. You know, it's just, I mean, you just- No competition. Yeah, it's just, I mean, getting further and further. And it's just, the market rate has gotten so far out in front where our funds stop that there is just this giant gap. So there's a lot of talk about increasing federal funds, the AMI limit, to take care of the, and if I go to Northwest Arkansas, they're in that gap. Yeah. Yeah. They're in that gap. Yeah. They may not be there in South Arkansas or Eastern Arkansas, but in Northwest, they're in that gap I'm talking about. It's huge. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of people don't understand that. And, you know, that area media, medium income or media income is, uh, is really something that you have to be kind of aware of. And it has changed even in the eight years that I've been here. So, and it's only going to continue to grow. So I think it's, you know, it's just something that we, we all need to be cognizant of and understand that, you know, it is, it is an, while it is an uphill battle, we do have some of the tools at our disposal, i.e. what ADFA represents and some of the programs that you're putting on the ground now. So it's not as if these programs don't exist or that there aren't options. It's just a matter of creating awareness. I think that's why this speaker series is so important. I mean, there were 150 people in that room at the Jones Center when you spoke and There were a lot of people that I heard after the fact were like, I had no idea. And I kept saying to myself, well, there's got to be some type of housing finance, state housing finance agency that will work to promote affordable housing. Of course, there is ADFA. And the idea here is that everybody needs to be aware of that and know and understand how ADFA can meet their needs, whether you are an individual looking to buy a home, maybe you're a teacher or a first responder in a local community and and the, the housing prices have just gotten well beyond your reach. And you need the help that so that you can buy that house, so that you can stay and remain and live in the community that you serve. It's important to understand that there are programs out there. There are groups out there like ADFA that can help you. And so, I mean, Mark, I mean, certainly you have you have your work cut out for you. But I would love for you just to leave our audience with as we as we kind of wind this up with just a couple of tendrils of hope, if you will, about what we can expect moving forward from an affordable housing perspective. And even for a single individual that's like wants to buy a house and has been socking money away in their savings account at Signature Bank, what can they hope for in the next couple of years? Yeah, I think awareness is the key. And so as we look for, I'll tell you one quick thing, and then that'll go right into, I think, what people can look for is several years ago, we were doing on our single family mortgage program we did like $58 million. And that's paired with that down payment assistance program for first-time home buyers. Well, we created an outreach team, right? We redid pricing, we got a new pricing provider, and we went out with our outreach team and we said, hey, we're gonna go tell the story. We're gonna tell the story about how you in Arkansas, you do not have to be you know, rich or you do not have to have 25% to put down. We're gonna tell the story. And we did. Well, last year we did, let's see, in 2021, we did over 300 million. So 58 to 300 million. How do we do that? 
Well, there's a lot of intricacies, but mainly telling the story. Did 260 million last year when we were one of five states to even have an open program. I mean, they, they, people weren't even doing it and we did 260 million. So awareness is key. That's number one. And then so where are we headed? The great thing about it is just like us having this podcast, I'm getting excited here. Everybody is talking about this, right? So when I look at it from my position, you've got Governor Sanders, who's reaching out all over the country, telling people, come to Arkansas. It's a great place to work. It's a great place to live, right? You're in Northwest Arkansas. That's kind of what we're talking about today. What top five place in the country to live, right? So governor's office, ADC, they're out recruiting. They're telling the story. So the people get here. What do we do? The great thing about it is there's an awareness of it. And there's an awareness at the public level, elected officials, all the way down. And there's a focus on it in Washington. There's a focus on it in our office. And that's good because, as you know, if people aren't looking at something, they're not focused on it, nothing happens. Right. right. So I truly believe there's some money out there now, federal dollars. We're, when I tell you we're uncovering stones, I think we're uncovering them, you know, eight and ten times a piece, you know, <laughs> looking for dollars. Right. Yep. But I think where we're headed is I really do. I think there's going to be increase low-income housing tax credits. I think that's coming. I also think there are going to be additional funds available from the federal government for affordable housing. And I think the main thing I'm excited about is I think they're going to raise some of these area median income limits at the federal level on the funds that we have. I really, really feel that way. There's a lot of talk in Washington about it. I've seen bills written about it that are getting kicked around on the Hill. And so To me, that is the biggest thing to be excited about is if you're over 60 percent or 80 percent area median income and to be at 100 percent area median income, that sounds like a lot, but it's really not. Right. right? And that gap that those people are in. So I think where's the hope? I think the hope is if you're sitting in that 80 to 120 percent of area median income, I think that that's going to be addressed. Yeah, I think that's the next big thing that's going to happen. I don't think it's going to be long before it's addressed, because if that happens, I think you'll really see a big explosion. I think you'll see some of the market rate developers go, hey, we're in. We're in now. Right. Yeah. Because I think the valuation on the property can continue to increase over time, rather than if it's at a really low rent level. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there is hope and and I don't think it's just hope. I actually think something is going to happen in that that gap, as I call it, between 60, 80 percent AMI and 120 to 140 percent is that's where we what we need to address. Yeah, because and for people listening to this wondering, well, why do we need to worry about people that are making a little bit more money and why the AMI should make a difference is the example that people have given lately of what it costs to buy a home. So if you bought a five hundred thousand dollar home and you had 20 percent to put down a couple of years ago, that home might have cost you when the rates were like three and a half might have cost you seventeen hundred bucks a month. That same house now with a $500,000 house with 20% down, which is $100,000. Most people don't have $100,000 to put down. Even if they're making six figures a year, that same mortgage now costs you $3,400 a month. It's basically double. So it just, it creates a challenge. It does. So yeah. I mean, so this is everything that Mark is speaking about today is our our needs that are going to help not just people at the you know, the lower affordable housing level, it's going to help people that don't consider themselves to be purchasers of affordable housing. I mean, there are going to be a lot of people that are going to be raising their hands because I do think everybody should be able to find a place that they can call home 
and it's suited for their personal purposes. So yeah, absolutely. I think about all the time, Randy, I think about my wife's a teacher. Yeah. And I think all the time, I think, you know, what if two, I'm just 35 year olds have two kids, (laughs) they're educators, right? They're professionals. Yeah. And I think about that income level and I think, I bet affordable housing would ring to their ears as well. Sure. Absolutely. And and so there are professionals out there that can't find any places to live affordable in the areas that they're in and they've got a professional job and they're, yeah. So I'm glad you mentioned that as I'm not just talking about lower income, I'm talking about all the way up to middle income, right? right. middle class. Yeah. So there's a lot of opportunity to meet the needs of a lot of us, especially those of you that are listening to this podcast. So don't count this up short. I mean, you really need to take a closer look at it. For those that are listening, are there going to be, or are there currently down payment assistance programs that are available to the average person that they can attach themselves to if they're looking to buy a home, but maybe don't have quite enough money to put down on a property? Yes. And here's the key. So if they're a first time home buyer, they have to be first time. Yep. Okay. So if they're a first time home buyer, here's the easiest way to do it. There's about a 99% chance that we're working uh, with a lender in this state, and whether it's a bank or just a mortgage lender. Okay. Okay. Yep. And so all they need to do is say, hey, they can either go to our website, adfa.arkansas.gov, and they can look at the down payment assistance. There's a list of lenders on there. And all they have to do is click at the top on the home ownership tab. It's really easy to navigate. Okay. So arkansas.adfa.gov. Yep. Or the easiest way, call your bank and just say, hey, could you tell me about the ADFA uh, loans that they have? Can you tell me about their down payment assistance? I want to see if I qualify. And Randy, I will throw this out. You know, that income level for that first time home buyer, it's all the way up to about $137,000. Right. Household income. It's pretty high. Yeah. So that covers most people, especially if they're maybe a a younger first time home buyer. Sure. They can go to our website or call your lender. Yeah. And we'll put, we'll put a link on to the show notes to the adfa.arkansas.gov. If you're buying a home, you make uh, under $137,000. I want to repeat that under $137,000, you would qualify for some down payment, or as we like to call it in the industry, DAP, down payment assistance program or down payment assistance funds for that, the purchase of that home. And, And that may actually help you bridge the gap to home ownership. So I want to encourage everyone listening to this. There is nothing wrong with um, seeking out these funds. That's what they're there for. And and it's not like this is a new thing. This has been happening all over the country. I come from the Northeast. Down payment assistance programs have been around for years. And so it's just newer in a place like Arkansas. But people need to embrace what this is because the times they are changing. And if we don't, you know, take time to make note of all that's available to us, we miss out on some of these opportunities that could actually help us achieve that goal of home ownership. So oh, I get, you know, I get calls all the time from people that I know, you know, that have never purchased a home or their kids are purchasing a home or, and they ended up, you know, getting down payment assisted. And, and just to make sure, I hope I didn't say that wrong. It's adfa.arkansas.gov. Yeah, no, I, and, I, and I'll make sure we get that on the, on the show notes. So yes. everybody gets it and everybody gets is able to reach out. Last question for you. Will there or is there a requirement of like a home buyer education program with these funds? Because I know in some states, like in Mass, you have to actually have your home buyer certificate 
in order to get the down payment assistance program. Yeah, yeah, it's just a it's just a short educational type thing. Okay, um, it, it doesn't take long. It's it you know it's very easy. We've never had anybody have a problem with it. It's just to let them know what they're doing, and specifically, if you make above eighty percent AMI for yep. your particular county you will qualify up to $15,000 down payment assistance. We're actually looking at raising that to 25. Wow. wow. It's a second mortgage, Randy. Yep. It carries the first inter- the interest rate of your first mortgage. Mm-hmm. So it's not a penalty. There's no, you know, there's no tricks or anything to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's amortized over 10 years. If you make 80% or below, you can qualify up to $25,000 and it is actually forgivable. Wow. Okay. So if you get fifteen thousand or less, it's forgivable over five years. If you get yeah. uh, fifteen thousand or more, it's forgivable over ten years. Wow! And then this will be my last question. I promise. As we close no, out, no, what, what, what about? Because I, I know there's somebody listening to this. Say somebody had was a homeowner back in say the early two thousands and got caught up in the whole financial meltdown, if you will, lost their home through maybe a short sale or something along those lines, and. There's been a, a significant amount of time that has passed since they owned a home. Because I know with Fannie and Freddie, don't they consider you a first-time homebuyer again after a period of time if you haven't owned a yeah. home for a while? Is it the same with this program? Yeah, it is. It is. Okay. I think the best thing to do is just either get on the website and the home ownership tab or call your, call a lender yep. and just ask them and they'll be able to walk them through it based on their specific. A lot of it gets a little detail, but yes. It does. Okay. Yes. There are okay. some specifics, but I think they'll walk them through it. We work with, I'm not sure if there's a bank in Arkansas we don't work with. Uh, <laughs> if there is one, let us know and we'll get yeah. them signed up. But they are familiar with our program. It is not burdensome. It's just like getting a mor- any mortgage. It's yeah. just like getting any mortgage. And okay. by the way, you will work through your lender or mortgage lender they're not working through us. We're in the back office. So they can go in that bank, call that person that they know. You don't have to deal with the government. You're going to work with that lender that you know. Okay, perfect. Well, there you have it. Mark Conine, thank you so much for, for sharing what has just been a wealth of information about the ADFA program, Arkansas Development Finance Authority. I mean, Mark is working for all of us here in, in the natural state. And I certainly want to encourage you to take him up on his offer to check out what they are doing and how they might actually be able to help you. If you have not purchased a home yet, but it's on your bucket list of things to do, hopefully this episode will have given you some some homework to do to put together as you make plans to buy a home. Because I encourage everyone, it's, it is a great investment, a significant investment, both for yourself as well as for your family. And if you are a first or will be a first generation homeowner, this is a huge deal. And so I really want to encourage you to take advantage of some of the programs that are out there that are accessible and available to you, like the ADFA program. So Mark Conine, president of ADFA, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast episode. I also want to let everybody know that if you want to hear a much more involved conversation that Mark had with the audience at that program for the Northwest Arkansas Council Speak Future is Now Speaker Series. On our show notes, there will be a link to the whole hour-long program, which was amazing. There was Mark that spoke, as well as two other individuals from the state of Arkansas. Well, one was from Texas, but they all talked about affordable housing and how to finance that. It was a, it was a fascinating conversation. So Mark, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. And we went longer than we said, but this was some really good information. So I hope that everybody that listens can use it. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. And thank you for having me. And 
you know, call me back in a maybe a period of time. Because yeah. things have been changing so fast. I'd love to come back on and talk I, about some of the changes that have happened. I'd actually like to do that because I would love to revisit this whole conversation and help, especially those that are uh, the developers that want to do some affordable housing. We need more of you to step up and do that, as well as those individuals that are lo- just looking to buy a house and just maybe are uninformed about what programs are available to them. We will, and I'm emphasizing that, we will have Mark back on the podcast to talk about the latest and greatest things that are happening. So he and I will keep in touch and uh, we'll make sure that we get that information out to you so that you know what's going on. Great. Well, it was, this was easy. You're a pro. I didn't know you were so educated on it, but uh, it, yeah. uh, it's when you, it's, it's easy working with pros. I like. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Mark. Well, folks, there you have it. Another episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. I really want to encourage you to continue to check in on this Future Is Now speaker series with the Northwest Arkansas Council. So much good information is being shared, and the council is really doing a lot to meet the needs of everyone here in Northwest Arkansas. As I said earlier, 36 new people a day are moving here. We care about them, but we also care about the people that are already here making Northwest Arkansas as great as it is. And so certainly I couldn't do it without people like Mark on the podcast. And, you know, we continue to bring the best and brightest talent onto this show to share with you all the things that make Northwest Arkansas a great place. Remember, the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast focuses on the intersection of business, culture, entrepreneurship, and life here in the Ozarks. And, uh, you know, our episodes come out every Monday, rain or shine. So there's always something new for you. So please listen to this episode. If you like it, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We would love a review. We'll even share it on a future episode. But it's just important that you guys know that there's somebody here that's sharing the stories that matter in Northwest Arkansas. And I also want to give a shout out to one of my chief sponsors, which is KUAF. I appreciate the fact that they allow me to partner with them, even though I'm not specifically recording this episode in the studio today. KUAF is still a great sponsor, and hopefully you'll hear this episode or a segment of it on a future Ozarks at Large episode. So that's all I have for you today. I'm Randy Wilburn, the host of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast, and we'll see you back here next week with another new episode. Peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Check us out each and every week available anywhere that great podcasts can be found. For show notes or more information on becoming a guest, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. We'll see you next week on I Am Northwest Arkansas.